This podcast is sponsored by Echelon. Echelon is the affordable way to get the workout equipment, the workout community, and an instructor's motivation right in the comfort of your own home. With Echelon, you can work at any time, day or night, and crush your fitness goals. And right now, for a limited time, podcast listeners get up to $800 off MSRP. To get this exclusive podcast discount, text GENIUS to 818181 to get up to $800 off MSRP. Once again, just text GENIUS to 818181. Quick disclaimer, message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Uh, Today I have Spencer Feldman. He's the founder of Remedy Link. And today we're going to talk about uh, detoxification. Depending on what's going on with you, how can you detoxify yourself and feel better? So Spencer, thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for having me, Rich. So I've been doing alternative medicine for about 30 years now. And what I really found that I enjoyed doing and was good at was figuring out how people's bodies fell out of homeostasis, what was going on that, you know, stopped their body from doing what it needed to do. You know, a healthy body, you don't get symptoms. It leaves you alone to do what you really want to do in life. And, you know, when you have to start paying attention to things that are breaking down, you know, it takes you away from what you really want to do, which, you know, who write your book, you know, travel the world, whatever it is you want. So what I'm interested in is kind of educating people on what we're being exposed to without really knowing it and how they can get the junk out. And the deal is, you know, our bodies have an innate ability to toxify metals and chemicals, depending on whether you believe in evolution or, you know, intelligent design. We evolved with, you know, arsenic and well water and snake and spider bites and poisonous mushrooms. So we have an innate capacity to deal with metals and toxins. The challenge is the modern world has exposed us both in amounts and types of toxins that we have not evolved with, right? We have much more toxins that we were ever exposed to in a month. And we did it in our entire lives going a couple hundred years ago. And then there's also toxins that our body was never exposed to. So it doesn't really have a a resource on what to do with it. Now, the other thing is some people would say that, well, you know, these toxins are tested and, you know, they know what the uh, the LD50, the lethal dose is. They know the amounts that make people sick and everything is at points where they're not going to make someone sick. Like, okay. But, you know, if they take it right to the edge of where you start to get a symptom, but then there's another million chemicals each taking you right to that edge. What happens synergistically? You know, you know, if you're on a pharmaceutical drug, there are other drugs you cannot take at the same time because they're going to cross react right. and cause a problem. That's just one or two drugs. What happens when you have a million chemicals you're exposed to literally, and there's over like 8 million chemicals now in the indexes. And some of them are all just at the point where they're about to cause symptoms, but won't. And they're all happening at the same time. So it's that synergistic effect that's really knocking people for a loop nowadays. So what I'd like to do, you know, I understand, right. It would be very difficult. No one studied this. You know, if I'm on 10 different pills, Mm. what's all the interactions in relation to my condition? I I understand that. Do you tend to work with people that not only need and want to detoxify, but more often than not, they're on multiple different drugs or like, what's the state in which you first find people that you work with? You know, I get it from all across the board. I mean, people who are very high functional people who have no symptoms whatsoever and are 
educated enough to know that as they age, they may not have the edge that they want and they want to keep being young and vital for as long as possible. So I counsel with those people, but most of the people who come to me are people that have been failed by the medical establishment. The doctors have either, if they're honest, will say, we don't know what's wrong and sorry, we can't help you. Or if they're arrogant, they'll say, there's nothing wrong with you. You're crazy. It's in your head. Yep. Um, right. So, which is a great disservice, you know, and I thought you might like that, you know, some doctors, they're more idiopaths than anything else. Well, you know, the placebo effect is considered a joke, but if you had something that made one third of all conditions get 50% better, that would be the, the greatest medical protocol in the history of mankind. And, you know, placebos are close to that. And what placebos are is their hope, their confidence, their sense of, of empowerment. So, you know, when a doctor says, either there's nothing wrong with you, you're crazy, or nothing can be done, they're taking hope away. They're taking away the greatest medicine that we have. So if you are listening to this and you've been told either there's nothing wrong with you or nothing can be done, you know, decline that prognosis, get your hope back, get your psych and neuroimmunology back and realize that, no, that's just a limitation of the person you were talking to. And so what I'd like to share with your audience is some things that I've used to help people, both who are, you know, kind of the average Joe who, you know, maybe works in an auto shop or, you know, a woman maybe works in a hairstylist and they're exposed to chemicals to someone who, you know, just the average person that maybe got some kind of exposure to people that are, you know, really heavily exposed, nothing's working right in their bodies and nothing they do seems to get them better. And half the things they try and make them worse. Are there particular conditions that people come to you frequently for where, again, doctors have said we can't help or there's nothing wrong with you? So caveat, I'm not a physician, I'm not a doctor. So, you know, when someone comes to me, it's not as a patient doctor relationship. It's more like a consultation. And yeah, why? I mean, you name it, chronic fatigue, multiple chemical sensitivities. Um, it, usually it's some kind of condition that nobody can figure out what it is. A lot of people will come, you know, we've gotten um, people calling with somebody comes in with a headache, someone else comes in with hormonal dysfunction. And that's the thing with toxicity. It shows up in such a myriad different number of ways that you can't say, well, you know, everyone who's toxic is going to have a bad liver and be angry, right? It's not like that. People respond in very different ways. And the way I would kind of explain it, uh, I mean, for one person, it comes out of their skin. For another person, it manifests in their, in their joints. For another person, their gut goes out of whack. It's all over the place. So imagine that you had an old Chinese vase, right? That you inherited. And you can see hairline cracks all over the place. Now, if you drop that vase, you stress that vase, it's going to break along the crack lines. You get two different vases with cracks lines in different places. You apply the same stress, but they break in different ways. And that's what people are, you know, genetically, environmentally, they've gotten cracks, they've gotten stresses in different places. And then when you apply more stress to them, well, how they fall apart is different. But you know, the reason they're falling apart, the initial stress, oftentimes some degree of toxicity. And, you know, you've got a different, a bunch of different classes of toxins. So what I'd like to do is give you guys the, the view from 30,000 feet of what these toxin, you know, the main toxic classes are and kind of an understanding of what you're trying to do when you're trying to get toxins out and what ways people do them wrong and end up hurting themselves. The first class would be a water soluble toxin. And that might be like a, a food dye or something, right? And um, these are things that you're just going to piss them out. It's not a big deal. I mean, they're going to cause damage while they're in you, right? And you may have to repair the damage that they did, but they don't stay in you continually causing damage. They're in and they're out. All you need for that's just drinking good water. Now, a lot of us don't drink enough water and that's because either the water they're drinking is terrible and their body is rejecting it from chlorinated, fluorinated, you know, dead water recycled from sewage water. It's full of the chemicals that came from other people's urine, right? Or they're low on soluble vitamins and minerals 
And so then when they drink the water and they end up urinating, they become even lower. And then their body's saying, hey, I've got to choose between dehydration and running low on an electrolyte. What should I do? I'll drink less water. You know, it's easy. Just get a good quality water and maybe stick a little bit of lemon juice in there for some minerals and vitamins. And your body will probably start craving drinking it again. The next class of toxins are where we start getting into the hard work. And that's the fat soluble toxins, Rich, because you can't just urinate out a fat soluble toxin. It ends up in the fatty tissues of the body, like in the nerves, the brain, cellular membranes. And to get rid of them, what you have to do is you have to make them water soluble first, and then you can urinate them out. So how do you make something fat soluble, water soluble? Well, we do it all the time. It's called soap. Soap's the chemical that binds to fat and makes it water soluble. So if you have a greasy dish and you know after dinner and it's your job to do the dishes, just rinsing water over the dish won't get the grease off. You have to put a little dish soap on and it reacts with the grease, makes it soluble, and now you can rinse it off, right? The first kind of overview I want to get is detox is really about finding what kind of soap will work for the toxin you're exposed to so that you can rinse it out of your body, right? And the most well-known okay. detox, the kind of the granddaddy of all of them is called the coffee enema. Have you ever heard of that or tried one? You know, an enema before, like a place called Regenesis, but I haven't, they didn't do like coffee or anything. It was just uh, like filtered water that was room temperature. Okay. All right. Kudos to you. So a coffee enema is exactly what it sounds like. It's I taking, take coffee in the other way. But yeah. Yeah. Right. Way. Okay. So I'll tell you the story of why someone would consider sticking a quart of coffee up their backside and laying side with, on their side in a bathtub for half an hour. <laughs> so here's the story. Picture you're in Germany, World War One in a field hospital, and this is where it happened. And you know, before doing surgeries, it was often thought that you give your patients an enema. And what that does is it was thought to decrease the bacterial load and make it easier for the surgeon if they had to manipulate the bowels during surgery. And so there was a, a nurse, she said to her, the hair doctor, we are, we're out of uh, warm water. We can't do any more enemas. And the doctor goes, well, that's not acceptable. Uh, looks around there yeah, over there. Uh, use that pot of coffee. Use the, use the hot coffee from, from the coffee maker. She's like, all right, you're the doc. And so they give this patient, they prep him and they give him an enema with coffee, right? And what happens is the patient not only has far less pain postoperatively, but they recover faster. And God bless the Germans. They are, and this is why I love them for, for medicine. They're incredibly observant and practical people. So when they see something that works, they explore it, say, well, you know, I don't understand why that works. So it's just a coincidence. It's just uh, anecdotal. No, they, they dig into it. And that's why their medicine is superior to ours in many ways. I've been working too hard and not working out enough. I wanted to get in shape, but I don't have time to get to the gym. Echelon brings the gym home to me. So right now for a limited time, podcast listeners get up to $800 off MSRP. To get this exclusive podcast discount, text GENIUS, G-E-N-I-U-S, to 818181 to get up to $800 off MSRP. Once again, text GENIUS to 818181. And message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. But what does a coffee enema do? That's the question. So why does it work? And here's what we now know later is why that was happening. So what coffee does when taken rectally, I'm sorry, Rich, it doesn't work when you drink it as much, is it stimulates something called phase one detox. And that's where these enzymes called the cytochrome P450 enzymes add an oxygen molecule to a fat-soluble toxin to make it more reactive, to prepare it for becoming water soluble. So it's a kind of like, a, it's a two-step process. It's not like a single soap. It's like two soaps, one after the other. So the first one is the phase one, and that's the coffee stimulates that, and it adds the oxygen to this fat soluble, this toxic grease, right? And then the, the next step, the second required soap is called phase two, and that's where a conjugator like glutathione or methyl groups or sulfates or glucuronic acid or acetyl groups, they're attached to that oxygen. And 
now that toxin is, is water soluble and you can urinate it out. Now, the problem is even for people who will go and do the coffee enema, for some people that was, you know, in the last century, that was a lifesaver for a lot of people. Uh, the Gerson protocol for cancer had everybody doing coffee enemas. And if you've ever seen someone who has the horrific itching of late stage cancer, get relief from a coffee enema, you understand how incredibly valuable it is. Yeah. What happened is you stimulate the phase one in some people, but they don't have the conjugators for phase two. They don't have the second soap. You stimulate the first soap, they don't have the second. And now you've added oxygen to the toxin, making it more reactive, but you haven't finished the job. And now it's even worse. So this is how people get multiple chemical sensitivities. And, you know, the same thing happened to me when I was young, I had multiple chemical sensitivities. If I was driving in a car and there was a belch of diesel fumes from a truck in front of me, and I didn't roll up the windows and put on the recycle fast enough, I'd be sick for, you know, up to two hours afterwards and not just physically sick, yeah. emotionally, I'd be a mess. And I, I remember I was driving a car and someone's head gasket was blown and, you know, I was at a light with them and then the smoke started coming towards me and I one breath of it was awful. And I literally ran the light to get away and I was sick for like a couple of days. Yeah. Well, guess what? You got chemical sensitivities there, Rich. Oh, um, yeah. and, you know, yeah. and for other people, it might be perfume, cologne. It might be, you know, the formaldehyde from a carpet, cigarette smoke. For some people, it's so bad they can't leave their house. Right. So what will happen is, you know, and this is one of the detox traps I was referring to. Someone will take what they think is a detox product that just stimulates phase one and they get their toxins become more and more toxic because it, they don't finish the process and they call up the, the company or they call up the practitioner, they recommend it and say, I feel terrible. And then the, the person will say, oh, you're having a healing crisis. Stay with it. Keep going. Right. And the more they do it, the sicker, the worse they get until eventually they give up feeling like they failed somehow. They didn't fail. They just got a bad detox product. So that's why I created something called Xenoplex, which are suppositories. We make them as a suppository because we're trying to get in the same place that the coffee enema went. But, you know, in this case, it's nine millimeter bullet or it's very small, right? But you put it in and you can still go about your business. You're not putting a whole quart of coffee in your backside. The real, so that's one benefit of it. It's very small. And, and once you put in 10 seconds later, you don't notice it. But the other thing is we also simultaneously added all those conjugators I mentioned the Bethel groups, sulfates, glucuronic acid, glutathione, glu acetyl groups. So while, when we stimulate phase one, we simultaneously provide phase two. And that's why we get such great results with multiple chemical sensitivity people. Maybe they'll have a bad day or two. And then after that, they're feeling golden. You know, now if I get stuck behind a truck with belching diesel, I don't want to breathe it in, right? I don't like it. I know it's bad for me, but I'm not going to get violently ill. I might just feel a little out of whack for it. And if I really get dosed, I'll just go take a Zenoplex and then I'll be better in five, 10 minutes. So, you know. Do a lot of people have uh, MCS, multiple chemical sensitivity? And so when they're exposed to anything, even, you know, I go into a hotel and they're using this new disgusting floor cleaner, you know, I'm going to get allergies and asthma, let's say, because I'm, I'm sensitized to it. So if I detox, am I less likely to have those sensitivity problems? Right. So it used to be a relatively rare thing. And over the last 25 years that I've been doing this kind of work, I've seen it getting more and more common because there's just more and more chemicals and people's bodies are getting more and more taxed. It's not normally, I, I would say that we get about an 85% rate of improvement. Their lives are now normal, you know, and I suspect that the last five to 10% uh, is immune reaction, meaning their immune system has been taught that the toxin is a is a threat. And so their immune system reacts and what they're feeling is the immune reaction to it. What their body is not getting is the actual load of toxic, unresolved toxic stuff floating around. 
So, you know, you might have to deal with, you know, a little bit of like a, a, a reaction, but it's not going to be like it used to be because your body now has the conjugates in it, not to get stuck in one part halfway through the process. Hmm. Okay. So tell me about these uh, pillar and tincture or what have you developed? And So, right. So these are suppositories. So they're made out of cocoa Possibly. butter and, you know, about an inch long and you take them rectally. Now there's three reasons you might want to take a suppository, right? One is if the ingredient would be destroyed by stomach acid, which is why things are done by IV typically, because they'd be destroyed if you took them orally. And so if you don't want to stick a needle in your arm, you can take a suppository. And in another case, you might take a suppository because of location. Because if it's right, you know, if you're trying to work the, say the prostate or the liver or the, it's right there, the liver gets a huge amount of blood from that area. So in the case of Xenoplex, there are chemical fat soluble detox suppositories. It's for those two reasons. One, some of the conjugants just won't survive stomach acid. And two, we're right by the liver, which is where we're trying to get to. The next thing, toxic metals. And that's like a whole different class of toxins. Some people call them heavy metals, which means that they have a density or a specific gravity greater than water, but that's not accurate because zinc has a toxic, a specific gravity. Zinc is a heavy metal, but it's good for you, right? And aluminum has a light metal and it's bad for you. So heavy metal is the wrong term. Uh, the right term would be toxic metal. The issue is when these toxic metals get in the body, they look almost exactly like things the body wants and often is deficient in. Lead looks like calcium, so it goes to the bones. Cadmium looks like zinc. So it goes in the brains, the eyes, the prostate. Mercury looks like selenium. So it goes to the thyroid and places aluminum looks like magnesium. So it goes into the muscles and the brain. These toxic metals can also get stuck in something called a cell membrane transporter. And what that is, is these little tunnels or revolving doors, depending on the type that they are, or pumps, there's different types in the cells that bring nutrition in and take toxins out of our cells. Now, when the toxic metals get into the transporters, what they do is they almost the same size, but a little different and the electrical charge can be a little different. So they can actually get stuck in the transporters. And now what happens is they can't bring nutrition into the cell and it can't get the waste products out. So the, the toxic metals cause cells to become simultaneously malnourished and toxic at the same time. Now, imagine if someone went into your house and, you know, crazy glued your refrigerator door shut and put concrete in your toilet, right? Can't eat and you can't go to the bathroom. Not going to be a happy place to, to be living in it right? It's the same for the cells. They have to eat and they have to go to the bathroom and the toxic metals screw that up. So what we need to find is something that can bind to these toxic metals more strongly than our own tissue and make them, and then make them soluble so you can pee them out. Now, my favorite ingredient for this is something called EDTA. Have you ever heard of chelation? Yeah, I have. Yep. Okay. Have you ever, have you ever done it? No, but if you'd okay. also explain to listeners what it's about. Yeah. I only know very little about it. There's a process for removing metals and you use something called the chelator, which is a sub substance that will grab onto the metal more strongly than the metal grabs onto the body. And my favorite chelator for this is EDTA or otherwise known as ethylene diamine tetracetic acid. Amine is like protein. Tetra is the number four. Acetic acid is vinegar. So it's like a mixture of protein and vinegar, right? And there's lots of acids or chelators. Lactic acid from exercise or fermented foods is a great chelator. And if we weren't exposed to such huge amounts of metals, they'd be enough. But nowadays, our toxic load is so great that we really would benefit from one of the more powerful chelators that are available. And like I said, my favorite is EDTA. EDTA is usually given as an IV. Taught myself IVs on my own arms, and it's not a process uh, that I would recommend to other people. Suppositories are a lot easier. Yeah, let me tell you that. EDTA is usually given by IV because it's a protein and if you eat it, you'll destroy it. So the people that are out there selling oral chelators, you know, come on. I mean, you're going to absorb three to 5% of that. It's just, 
you know, it's deactivated by the intestines because it's a protein. So what we did is we put EDTA into a suppository. We call that product metacardium and there's no digestive enzymes or stomach acids in the rectum. And so you put it in and it gets right into the tissue. Now, I just wanted to give a caveat. If you're dealing with mercury, EDTA and all the other classic chelators can cause problems. And what happens is uh, all the, the standard chelators will bind to mercury, but they'll also let go of mercury if they bump into oxidized iron or, or hexavalent chromium. But oxidized iron is what you're normally going to find in the bloodstream because red blood cells are always breaking down. And so what will happen is the chelator will grab the mercury, pull it out of some safe and innocuous possibly, or abdominal fat. And then it bumps into some iron, some Fe3, and it releases the mercury to grab onto the iron. Now that's great because we should get the Fe3 out of the body, but now the mercury is free to roam and might deposit in the brain. That's another detox trap is detoxifying mercury safely. Now, if you have just a little bit of an average amount of mercury, it's no big deal because if you put an EDTA and that grabs the mercury and then lets it go for the iron, there's still more EDTA to grab that mercury again. But if someone has a high load of mercury and they have Fe3 in their system, there's a, another chelator that I, we won't have time to get into, but if you reach me directly on my website, I can walk you through that protocol. But yeah, so, you know, pulling these toxins. What happens when someone goes through a chelation protocol? What do they experience? You know, so the typical IV one, yeah, first you have to be very careful with the kidneys if you're doing IV chelation, because you can pull more stuff more quickly than the kidneys can handle. Uh, another reason I like the suppositories because uh, they go a little slower. And so what happens is, you can get the same effect, but maybe it takes you, you know, four days rather than two hours and you don't end up stressing the kidneys out. So, you know, what would you feel? Your eye, you know, typical things, you might notice your eyesight improving. If there's prostate problems, you might see them starting to, to improve if you take it by suppository because the prostate's right there. You know, the prostate's a pump, right? And if you are 50 years old, um, you've got a 50 year old pump, right? So if you had a 50 year old water pump, you would expect it to be functioning well without some kind of regular descaling because minerals are going to build up in the pump. Pump's not going to work well. Same thing for the prostate or the heart, right? Or the arteries. You got to descale them. You got to pull the junk out of them. That's what chelation is in many ways. It's a descaling because not only does it well, take out the time. So does that mean that heavy metals will accumulate in the heart and, or well, not what's a, well, the descaling? What's they can, out? but also calcium. So what most people don't realize is calcium is a metal. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. And there's a calcium, the CAC, the calcium score for the heart. And yeah, there's calcification in all the, the arteries. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. It. Yeah. And you know what? Let's get back to calcium in, in, in about five in a minute or two. That needs to be talking about. But what you might notice is, you know, a little more energy, a little uh, colors are a little bit brighter, all the way to, I mean, resolution of a lot of symptoms. Uh, people that there was a study that they did, I think in Switzerland where they found that people who had done uh, 20 IV chelations had a lifetime incidence of cancer and heart attacks. One was dropped 90%, one was dropped 86%. I don't remember which. So that's huge, right? So well, quick question here. It seems like as people get older, it's just like hair. You know, the calcium seems to leave their bones and go all over the body to the wrong places. It's just like hair in the head moves to the ears and the nose. Yeah. Is that what happens? And if you do a chelation and you're getting rid of excess scaling and calcium, as you call it, how do you spare the bones or is it, is it different? Is it a different form right. that's inaccessible? Okay. Okay. So we could talk about that now. So, you know, calcium is needed for our health, but as we age, it leaves the bones and teeth where it belongs and starts to accumulate the soft tissue. We literally turn to stone as we age and were we to live long enough, we'd end up looking like a statue in a Greek, you know, Greek statue in somebody's garden. And calcium does this everywhere. The arteries, the breasts, the prostate, the joints, the kidneys, and we'll get back to that in a bit. So the question is, is there a way to dissolve the calcium? Uh, and yeah, you can. At a certain age, calcium is just like a toxic metal. And so you can use EDTA to pull it out. Now, 
just as a side note, 99% of the EDTA being sold in the marketplace is calcium or calcium sodium EDTA, which means it's already got calcium on it. So it can't remove something it's already got. It, it's, it's like, it can only grab something it has a greater affinity for. So if you want to pull calcium out, in addition to toxic metals, you'd need an EDTA that does not already have calcium on it. And that's what we use. And that's what we have our patent for and the metacardium suppositories. Okay. So again, it spares the calcium in the bones. There's no problem. And it can chelate from the arteries and the other bad places. Right. And what happens is one of two things. So, all right. So the EDTA goes around and it bumps into some calcium in the joints and it pulls it out. And then it bumps it to some lead and lets go of the calcium and grabs the lead. Now the calcium is nutritional calcium and it can be used to strengthen the bone, you know, strengthen the bone. So when you temporarily lower blood calcium with a calcium free EDTA, it triggers the body to go and to say, oh my God, I don't have enough calcium. So that if you then afterwards take some calcium, it shoves it in much more aggressively. So you can actually build bones very strongly if you cycle between a calcium free EDTA and some calcium in, in that back and forth cycle. Any idea on why calcium gets leached from the bones and ends up all over the body as people age? Oh, all sorts of things happen as we age, <laughs> you know, sure. it, uh, everything falls to pieces as we get older. There is a ratio, a relationship between the osteoblasts and the osteoclasts between breaking down and remodeling old bone to new bone uh, enzymes required to make the calcium connect to the protein in the bone. There's all to model bone is a very complicated set, you know, system and and all other systems start to fail, we lose the ability, among other things, to properly create bone. And so it starts to leave. And where does it go? Okay. It goes somewhere. All right. So the chelation protocol, all right, I understand a bit more about it. What else is there to say about it? Or is there another aspect that's that's central to your healing that you, uh, well, you know, and we could talk about chelation all day, but I think the next thing I would talk about would be getting into uh, crystal toxins. So there's at least 22 different substances that I can name that crystallize in the human body. And I'm from is the this, literature. Is, this, uh, is gout? Part of this? Bingo. You hit it. That's uric acid. Exactly. Uh, that's one, the, you know, uric acid, calcium oxalate is another kidney stones, at least 22 mm, different okay. things crystallize. And I'm sure there's another hundred we're not aware of. So, you know, let's look at the most common. Those would be gallstones and kidney stones and soft tissue calcifications, which we actually just addressed. So let's talk about gallstones first. The liver produces bile, which is designed to neutralize stomach acid because, you know, there's acid in the stomach to both digest and disinfect the food coming in. And then the stomach has a mucus uh, layer around it. So it does digest itself. Well, why doesn't that food with full of all that acid digest the gut as it's going through? Because once you get out of the stomach, there's no more mucus protection. It's because the moment it gets out of the stomach, the gallbladder, which is a bag that the bile accumulates in squirts metered amount of bile into bolus of food, neutralizing the stomach acid. So you don't burn the gut and that bile also kills parasites, stimulates peristalsis, digests fats, protects the whole gut. Now, for a lot of people, that the bile in their gallbladder is kind of like sludge. And if you happen to have an ultrasound machine and you look at someone's gallbladder, you can find all sorts of gunk in there because the bile, which should be a liquid, is started to solidify into kind of like a gel. And then if it solidifies long enough, it turns into gallstones, right? And what happens with these gallstones? Well, if you try to pass one, that is supposed to be the most painful experience a human being will ever experience. And if it gets jammed up in the wrong place, the bile can end up squirting back into the pancreas, burning, giving alkali burns to the pancreas because there's not enough bile getting in. And when it does, it all goes at once. A person can kind of go back and forth between, you know, loose stools and constipation. So there's an old school protocol to deal with 
crystallizations of the gallbladder. It's called the liver gallbladder flush. So just like the old naturopaths used to do coffee enemas, they used to do liver gallbladder flushes. Have you uh, ever done one of those or heard of one? Well, I've seen, you know, at the store again, we're back to pills, take this for 30 days, liver cleanse or 10 day, that kind of stuff. Mm. But I'm guessing you're going to say that uh, depository or other methods are probably better. Well, um, the, the traditional way of clearing out the liver and gallbladder was called the liver gallbladder flush. And the protocol was you'd take a half a cup of olive oil and some lemon juice and Epsom salts, and you drink that down. And it's as disgusting as it sounds. And what happens is the olive oil, this huge dump of olive oil tells the gallbladder, oh, I've got a lot of fat coming. You better just dump all your bile. And then the Epsom salts dilate the sphincter of odi, which is this little muscular ring at the base of the gallbladder that keeps the bile from all coming out at once. And so you purge and force all these stones out. So one, you know, I, I was thinking, hey, is there another way to do this? Because I've done it and I don't particularly like it. And there's actually some problems associated with it. So number one, it's not enjoyable. But the other issue is, you know, people are told that they should do this until they no longer get stones out of them. And it sounds reasonable. But what they aren't told is, in addition to stones, some of what you think are stones coming out are just coagulated bits of olive oil caused by the flush itself. So a person keeps doing the flushes. Mm thinking that there are just more and more stones when what they're really doing is blowing all their bile out, which is so expensive to the body that it actually recycles it. And when they run out of bile, what do they create? More gallstones. So they're going to create the gallstones and then they're going to see false positives of stones that aren't really stones. So this is a, a third mm -hmm. kind of detox trap. It's when you, the detox you're doing actually is causing the problem that you're trying to resolve. And I'll give you another example of that. You might've heard of something called zeolite chlorella. Let's take zeolite, for example. It's a, a mineral people use for chelation. That's mined out of the earth. Well, what do you find in the earth? That's where the toxic metals are, right? So most of the zeolite you're going to find in the earth is full of toxic metals, which is not a problem as long as you acid wash it before you sell it to the public. But if you don't, and a lot of manufacturers won't, they'll just sell you straight zeolite. Then you take the zeolite in and it's full of metals. It hits your stomach acid. All the metals get released. And now you've got all these metals floating in you and then you oh, feel man. terrible. Right. And then the doctor goes and checks your urine and says, wow, the zeolites are really working gangbusters. Look at all these metals coming out of you. Yeah. That's the metals that you, zeolite gave you. Another example would be like uh, taking chlorella for metal uh, detoxing. But if the chlorella was grown in the ocean off of China next to an industrial, you know, effluent, God knows what's in that stuff. So, you know, you, you got to be mindful that some of the things, you know, when you think you're having a detox crisis or detox reaction, um, I very rarely see that with my clients. I mean, someone has to be horrifically toxic. And then if they have a reaction, it's for a couple of days at most. This is too bad because it sounds like, yeah, a lot of these detoxes and stuff are sold. And you, like you said, the ingredients may be corrupted. And, you know, a few people have bad experiences, part of the industry that's already demonized by regular medicine you know, a few bad things happen, then they'll say, oh, it's bad for everybody. And, mm -hmm. you know, give them more reason to take the treatment away. So it's very important what you're saying, I think. Yeah, it's caveat emptor. You know, if you're going to, I mean, the great thing about capitalism is it allows for innovation. The dark side, there is a greed and profit motive, friends, for some people that supersedes their morality. But, you know, there is a way to deal with gallstones other than, so, all right, that's what I was looking for. I was thinking, I want to find an alternative to a liver gallbladder flush. What can I do? And so, uh, what I did is I took a whole bunch, you know, looked around the world and I found all these herbs that would dissolve crystallizations in the liver and gallbladder and, and the kidneys also. And I put them in a suppository called glitamins. Now I'll actually eat glitamins when I make a batch and I'll always have a few cosmetic defects. I'll eat them because you Sounds can- Sounds like a Jewish deli. 
Lighted. I, well, they're made out of cocoa butter, you know, and the herbs are kind of bitter. So it almost tastes like chocolates to me. So I made these suppositories called glitamins. And again, you're saying, well, geez, really another suppository? Really? Do you have to? And okay, so you don't have to, I can eat them, but they're not as effective because, you know, it, it's going to have to get through the whole body before it gets down to the liver. Whereas the liver is right next to the colon, you know, the, and the portal vein, you got one third of the blood supply going to the liver. So a suppository is a fantastic way to get to the liver. So yes, it's a suppository. And again, let me tell you, it's a lot less problematic than drinking half a cup of olive oil and keeping that from vomiting up. So I'll give you a story about that. You know, uh, I got caught, and this was, wow, this is like 10, 11 years ago. Are, are you ready? I guess. And a 70 year old woman calls me up and she took the glitabins, which is the name of our product uh, that I talked about for, you know, the calcifications of the gallbladder and kidneys. And she wanted to thank me because her headache was gone. And I'm thinking, oh, this cute old lady. I'm like, well, I'm really happy your, your headache's gone. She goes, no, no. From the bottom of my heart. Thank you. My headache's gone. I'm like, that must've been a pretty bad headache you had. She goes, yeah, for 55 years. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, Holy I've had this shit. headache. Yeah, I'm like what? She goes, yeah, I've had this headache since I was 15. I'm like, oh my God, she had a, she had a trapped gallstone probably since she was 15. And so what happens is gallbladder stuff has a tendency to cause headaches. Chinese medicine, the gallbladder meridian goes behind the head. Who knows why? But you know, when the gallbladder goes out, you get headaches sometimes, or sometimes frozen shoulder will happen. It's a weird thing. Just the body's weird like that. Anyway, so okay, I'm I'm sorry she spent almost her entire life with a headache, but at least she gets to spend her twilight years. Her headache gone, right? So it's that story. Oh, okay. So next um, on the list, we didn't talk about were kidney stones, right? Because we were talking about mm, calcifications, mm. right? Maybe so you could give me, uh, we talk about gout too. Yeah, absolutely. The body makes chemicals to break down crystals, right? But like all things, our manufacture of these chemicals decreases with age. And so, and depending on genetic propensity, someone might not make a lot of them to begin with. So someone who doesn't make a lot of the chemical that breaks down uric acid crystals ends up with these crystals in there, starts in the big toe. It's very painful. It's called gout, right? But you can get gout in the eyes. You can get gout everywhere. It just, you know, first noticed in the big toe. So gout's one of them. And yeah, if you start breaking up crystals, if you start dissolving them, you're not just dissolving them from your gallbladder or your kidneys, you're dissolving them from your joints from everywhere. So okay. absolutely. So, you know, the so, next one would, I, I'm sorry, you had a question? Oh yeah, go ahead with kidney stones. And then, like I said, afterwards, if we can talk about gout, go ahead with kidney stones. Sure. So, you know, next in the list of the calcifications, toxic calcifications would be kidney stones. So, you know, like I said, calcium shows up in lots of places as we age. And one of them is the kidneys. It shows up typically as calcium oxalate from oxalic acid from, you know, diets where people are eating things that historically nobody ate, but someone told them was a health food, like, you know, spinach or soy or chia seeds. And, you know, or some people get them from chronic infections, but, you know, as over time, you know, the kidneys can get full of stones and Again, that's just one more thing that you can dissolve out. Now with kidneys, you can go at it for two ways. The glitamins has the ingredients that support the body in dissolving all crystallizations, but you also know with kidney stones are almost entirely calcium. So you could also go at them with an EDTA like metacardium and help support the body in dissolving them that way. But in terms, one question I'm often asked is, well, all right, I see that you got these three main detoxes. You got um, metacardium for metals, glitamins for, or xenoplex for the chemicals and glitamins for, you know, fat stuff. What order, you know, gallstones and, and kidney stones, what is there an order to do them in? I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm like, all right. So imagine you've inherited an old house from a relative the past, right? And you go and you visit this house and it's like an inch of dust on the floor. Oh boy. All right. So you're in for it. Okay. So you go in there with a, you know, with a broom and you open the front door, but the door is rusted and there's so much clutter. You only get it halfway open. And you say, all right, I'll, I'll just start here at the front door. And you start sweeping towards the door. Okay. Now, if you start sweeping and the door is only half open, some of that dust is going to bounce back at you and get, you know, and it's going to be a mess, 
right? What you really want to do is get the clutter from behind the door out of the way, oil the hinges, get that door completely open. All right, then go and then start dusting, then start sweeping it out the door, making dust storms. And same thing for the human body. In this case, the door represents the exit points for the body, you know, the liver and then bile and then out the colon or kidneys out the urine, or in some cases the skin or lungs can be a detox points, but those are the main two. The kidneys of the liver are the main two exit points, right? So you really want to flush those things out before you really go and start dredging all the stuff out of the tissue. That's called phase three, right? Phase one we talked about was the oxygen attaching to the chemical. Phase two is when we talked about the conjugates. Well, phase three is very rarely mentioned. And that's when the things that have been conjugated are now urinated or defecated out. And if those pathways are all jammed up with, you know, because lots of people are walking around with subclinical gallstone bile sludge or kidney calcifications, they're going to have a harder time detoxifying. So this is another kind of detox trap. Someone, they, they start a detox when the main pathways out of their body, like their liver, their gallbladder, their kidneys are full of stones and gravel and sludge and sand, if you, that's mm. one of the terms. And then they stimulate phase one. Hopefully they stimulate phase two, but if they haven't done phase three, it will all get out over time, but it's going to take a lot longer to get out. And that experience is not going to be enjoyable. So, you know, these are ways in which so what, try to- yeah, So what's the order of detoxes that people should do if they want to do like a, I don't know, one that should come, let's say third or fourth, like, you know, do you generally tell people, all right, well, if you're going to do this detox, you really need to do these detoxes first, and then we get there. Yeah. So what I like to do is when I'll ask them how their lymphatics are, you know, if they have a lot of swollen lymph nodes, I might have them do a product we have called Limplex. We have the blood supply, but we also have the lymph supply, which is sort of like what then it go back, goes back into the blood. It's sort of like the plasma. It's, but it's also the toilet. It's the, the sewer system of the body at a cellular level. It's twice as, by volume, twice the size of our bloodstream. So there's a lot of it and it's not often talked about. And a lot of people, their liver, sorry, their lymphatic system is pretty sludged up. So I'll just make sure the lymph is moving properly. And then I'll put them, I'll suggest uh, the Zen, uh, to alternate the metacardium and the glitamins, meaning kidneys and liver gallbladder back and forth a few times and make sure those things are moving properly before I hit them with the Xenoplex. And it's not such a big deal for most people, but if someone's got like multiple chemical sensitivities and I know they're going to have a hard time, I'll, I'll be really biased to be like, all right, Zen, you know, glitamins and metacardium first before you start doing the Xenoplex and releasing everything out of your liver. So if someone wants to get help, uh, who can you help and where? And then, uh, you know, you can't help everybody, but uh, where can people go if they can't work with you for some reason? What do they Google? What do they look up? Some of that would help them. Sure. I mean, well, I mean, if you go to our website, remedylink.com, um, there's a whole bunch of videos there that'll explain all these processes and all the, you know, the ways to do it and all the protocols. So you can pretty much do this on your own. I mean, that was the whole thrust of this. You know, people were being forced to find uh, someone who would run an IV for glutathione or for uh, EDTA before. And I was like, all right, no, I want to empower the average Joe to be able to do this in their house at home, you know? So you don't need someone to oversee you with these things. You can do them yourself. And if you get in a tough spot, just give me a call. I'm, you know, if I'm not in the lab, I'll pick up the phone. Okay. Well, where can people go to get more information about you and find out about Remedy Link? Well, so uh, the website is uh, www.remedylink.com. Um, their phone number is 888-456-4268. And the stuff by and large can be done without oversight. I mean, if someone's, you know, on the edge of dialysis, we need to be doing blood tests to make sure we don't detox them faster than they can handle. But it's a rare thing for me to tell someone that they need oversight for this because suppositories go a little slower, but you know, slow and steady wins the race and doesn't overwhelm the body. And you know, what I'll tell someone is first, someone will say, well, how do I know I need to detox? I don't feel anything. 
I'm like, well, how do you know you need to change the oil in your car? I'm like, well, I change it every 5,000 miles. I'm like, well, did, did you do a chemical analysis of the oil in your car after 5,000 miles? He's like, no. I'm like, well, you could for thousands of thousands of dollars, but I'll tell you what you're going to find little grindings, you know, shavings of your engine, bits of burnt yeah. gaskets and burnt oil. So you don't really have to do that test because that's what's in there. Just change your oil. It's like, all right, well, okay. I don't have to, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on, on analyses. I mean, yes, someone who's got chemical exposure from an industrial accident, sure. The average person don't spend $5,000 finding out that you have what everyone else has. You've got metals, you've got mm. chemicals. So does everybody. You're a car at 5,000 miles or more like 50,000, right? Because when was the last time you detoxed? So you know, once a year, just like if you're going to change the oil in your car, once a year, you do a detox. And if you're symptomatic, you may find a lot of improvement. And if you're not symptomatic, the point at which you would become symptomatic might be 75 as opposed to 50, right? right. So, you know, you're 50 years, you know, you're 50 years old. You've never done a detox, you know, flush yourself once a year, just as a general thing, you know, why would you treat your car better than your own body? Cause you can replace your car, you know? I understand. Well, very good, Spencer. Thank you for coming on. I know we covered a lot, but there's a ton more to cover. And I hope to have you back soon. But again, thank you for coming and uh, imparting all your knowledge. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on, Rich. It was a pleasure working with you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, which has been sponsored by Echelon. When you're trying to reach your fitness goals, it can really help to have world-class instructors like Nicole Griffin and Michael Brown choreographing classes with music from your favorite artists like Pitbull. And you get a community of hundreds of thousands of people who can give you that extra push. Echelon gives you that. Echelon's certified fitness instructors are supportive, engaging, and fun. They really know how to get you moving. And right now, for a limited time, podcast listeners can get up to $800 off MSRP. To get this exclusive podcast discount, text GENIUS to 818181 to get $800 off MSRP. Once again, text GENIUS to 818181. Message and data rates may apply. Please see terms for details. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.